joy. We hear it and we think of happiness or laughter, but true joy far outweighs any fleeting emotions. Like a beautiful garment, joy is a response that we clothe ourselves with. And at this time of year, it's our heart's cry as we bear witness again to the birth of the Savior. And let's face it, there's not a person here who couldn't use a little more joy these days. So you're invited into that quality of joy, whether your life is full of happiness or not. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now, because Jesus is here now. This is joy. Welcome to Christmas. Welcome to New Hope Kailua Christmas Concert. I'm just kidding. It's not a Christmas concert this morning, and I saw people already when I started singing, they were heading for the exits, and understandably so. But I share that little uh, song. I'm sure you uh, have heard of it. I consider it a modern-day prophetic oracle. It's just prophetic because Christmas is a wonderful time of the year, maybe the most wonderful time of the year. We could have a discussion. Easter's a pretty special time of the year, but Christmas, the birth of our Savior, is a wonderful time of the year. And it's a reason to celebrate, it's a reason to experience joy, it's a reason to uh, have festivities. I just love, yes, the Christmas trees and the lights and the, the festivities. In fact, after Thanksgiving, Martha and I decided this year, last year we kind of missed Christmas at home because we were getting treatments for her on the mainland. This year we have two sets of family, two of our sons and their families are coming from the mainland for Christmas and we thought... Let's break out, let's really do the festivities. I mean, we've always kind of enjoyed festive Christmas, but let's, let's, um, let's really go all out this year. So we got out right after Thanksgiving, got all out our Christmas decorations. We even got some new ones. And uh, if you saw the light show in my backyard uh, that I'm getting ready for my grandkids, it is awesome. And I'm going to start selling tickets for it in the community. But we're getting into the festivities, and for good reason, and I hope you will be too. One of the great joys of this season, I hope you will enter into, is listening to the carols. We've already sung some this morning. We've had folks refer to them. There's so much joy in the Christmas carols. And um, we have this amazing person that lives in our house. Um, her name's Alexa. Um, and she has this amazing servant spirit. You just say, Alexa, play Christmas carols. And she fills the house with songs about Jesus. And she does everything I tell her to do. It's an amazing, she's a really an amazing person. So uh, I commend her. Um, but you know the, the, uh, the joy of the Christmas carols and part of the richness of it is just the truth, the, um, the, um, the solid content about Jesus uh, that we sing in these carols. I hope as we sing them that you'll just, I mean, we, we sang, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Just listen to the words of this, of this song and and, and feast on the richness of who Jesus is in these Christmas carols. This is just one hark the herald angels sing. We sing it every year, right? Listen to this. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate, Deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. 
Hark the herald angel sings, glory to the newborn king. Well, songs like that, I mean, they just fill your spirit with the wonder of, of who Jesus is. There are also, and you're well aware, some other classic Christmas carols like Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle. I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, those get passed on to generations too. In fact, I got to tell you, I heard my grandkids singing something we used to sing as a, as a kid. Have you ever heard this one? Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Classic Christmas carol. And I was very encouraged to know that my son was discipling his grandchildren, my grandchildren, well. But uh, whether they're just fun Christmas songs, but certainly the carols. Christmas is a time for singing. And yes, uh, when we come to the scriptures, I hope you realize, and, and I hope you will take time over this season just to read um, the story we all know so well. But Luke chapter 1 and 2, uh, and notice that everybody that's involved in the Christmas story, they're singing songs of joy. They're rejoicing. They have a heart of, uh, they, they have a song of joy in their hearts. And let me just remind you real quickly of, of um, the, the major characters and how joy is overflowing in their hearts. There's Elizabeth. She sings with joy. When Mary greets her, she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you would bear. She's rejoicing. There's baby John the Baptist before he's even born when he's in Elizabeth's womb. And uh, when Mary greets her, the, the baby leaps with joy. And Elizabeth says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Even babies are leaping for joy in the womb. Mary sings with joy. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Zechariah, and we're going to look at his full song of praise this morning. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. The angels are singing songs of joy. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels. And what are they doing? Praising God, singing songs of joy. And saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The shepherds, everybody in the story, is singing songs of joy. The shepherds sing out with joy after they see baby Jesus. They return glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. So if everyone in the Christmas story is singing and, and rejoicing and has a song of joy in their hearts, so much, how much more uh, do we have reason? to have a song of joy in our hearts at Christmas. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at Zechariah's song. And uh, what fills Zechariah's heart with joy is what can fill our hearts with a song of joy. And so I, this is a song, and uh, I, I, I called it on our uh, uh, title, The Song of a Speechless Pastor. <laughs> now, think about that. A speechless pastor, that's a contradiction in terms, right? Uh, I literally remembered, uh, it was a few years ago, we had a family visit, and um, as they were walking out, the teenager, I was just greeting them, the teenager said, Pastor, you have a lot to say. And I remember thinking about that, I didn't know exactly what he meant. Did he mean your sermon was too long? <laughs> or did he mean what you said was really important? I still don't know what he meant, but I, he said, Pastor, you have a lot to say. I heard another story about a pastor who um, was greeting people on a Sunday morning after service, 
And a lady walked out, and she noticed a Band-Aid on the pastor's throat. And she said, oh, what happened to your throat? And he said, well, actually, I was concentrating on my sermon, and I cut myself shaving. And she said, well, next time, why don't you concentrate on your shaving and cut your sermon? <laughs> that was Pastor Mark. No, it wasn't Pastor Mark. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Pastor Mark has great sermons. But the, 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 uh, the contradiction of a speechless pastor, and if you know what Zechariah's story is, Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist, the, one, the prophet who came to make uh, ready the way of Jesus. And even in the birth, John the Baptist is, um, has a miraculous birth through Zechariah, his father, and his mother Elizabeth. And what happens, as you read the story, is an angel comes to Zechariah. He's a priest. He's not a pastor, but... He's a, in any case, he's, he's serving in the temple, and the angel Gabriel comes to him from heaven with the word of the Lord that they are going to have a baby. Now, Elizabeth is old, and she's been infertile her whole life. And um, so this is like a major miracle. This is a big deal. And guess what Zechariah does? Unfortunately, he doesn't receive it. He doesn't believe it. And so what Gabriel does is uh, Gabriel removes his ability to speak and so he's a silent priest, a silent pastor. And I, I thought about that. I, the text doesn't say, but why would Gabriel take away his ability to speech? It might be this. This is my best thought. That he was getting a taste of his own medicine. Gabriel says, I've come from the presence of God with the word of the Lord, and you're not receiving it. So you're going to try, and when you try and communicate to others, they won't be able to receive it because you can't talk. I don't know. But in any case, he is a speechless priest, a speechless pastor for months. But the song we're going to look at is Zechariah, when John the Baptist is actually born, he bursts forth with this song of joy. And again, if we enter into this song of joy, if we receive it, it will fill our hearts with joy. And so let's read it together, and then we'll see just how uh, Zechariah's song of joy can bring joy to your life these weeks ahead of us. All right, Zechariah's song, and it should come up on the screen. Um, chapter, if you can look at your own phone, or I notice that some folks even brought their own hand copy, written Bible, beautiful thing, but whatever way you can read the Word of God. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a God-inspired song. And he prophesied, praise be to the Lord. He's singing a song of praise, if you will. He's expressing rejoicing to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation. What does that mean? When we think of a horn, you might think of a trumpet or a trombone. He's not saying that, you know, somebody's going to be in the trumpet section of the band. A horn in that culture meant strength. It meant power. It came from the fact that the strongest, most powerful animals, the oxen, the bulls, they had horns. So a horn was a symbol of power, of strength. He's saying that God is bringing a powerful Savior. The horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets. The birth of John the Baptist preceding the birth of Jesus, this was no accident, this was no random thing. It was at the center of God's plan for history. It had been prophesied by the prophets. Salvation from our enemies and to remember his holy covenant. And what's the worst enemy? For all of us, death. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear 
in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, and this is Zechariah speaking to his baby boy, John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before, before the Lord. <laughs> You're going on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun, this is going to be a new day, will come to us from heaven to shine on those living, catch this, living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of shalom, into the path of peace. Now, before we look at how Zechariah's song can fill your heart with joy and fill my heart with joy, we need to recognize that when Gabriel came, and when John the Baptist was born, and when Jesus was born, life was really lousy at that time and that place. It was not a good place to live in human history. Uh, Elizabeth and, and uh, Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and all of the people who lived in that land faced major difficulties, major challenges. You know, at Christmas time, it's nice, and we'll do a nice play, and we'll have angels and shepherds and straw in the manger. It'll be a really romanticized kind of view, uh, that's what we tend to do in the church. And it's a beautiful thing. But we need to realize that when this happened, it was a terrible time in human history. Think about it for a moment. Um, Judea at the time was under military occupation. <laughs> Rome had conquered them, and they lived under a foreign military power. How would you like living if China all of a sudden conquered the U.S., God forbid, and you were under a Chinese government, and they were imposing their policies on you? How would you like to live under that kind of political oppression? Some of us know, you know what some of the uh, Chinese policies are, and they're not things that we would want to live under. That's where Mary and, and, and Joseph, but that's where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Um, military occupation. And with that came political corruption. Herod was this puppet king set up by Rome to govern Judea. He built a beautiful temple, a, a modern, um, it was one of the modern wonders of the world uh, at the time. But why did he do that? Yes, to appease the Jews, and he, wanted to see, he saw himself as king of the Jews, and he, he uh, was threatened by anybody who came against him to threaten his position, his self-description uh, as the king of the Jews. So you remember in the scriptures, of course, when he heard about the king of the Jews being born, he had all the babies under two years old killed, murdered in Bethlehem. What a tyrant. What a brute. What an evil man. And um, that was the political leadership. And not only was it evil and, and, and uh, a, a tyrant, but uh, it was corrupt. One of the reasons he built the temple was so what? He could tax the Jews. That's where he got his taxes. And by the way, why did Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem for a census? Why do you have a census? It's because they're going to be taxed. And they were very oppressively taxed. And what, what uh, Herod did was he took all the money from the taxes. And he, you can go to Israel today and see these amazing places he built. Masada, other places that were also um, architectural masterpieces. But it was built out of the tax money of peasants like Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's not a good time to live. And, um, and so in all of these ways, um, they, they, they were simply peasants, and, and the rich were getting richer, and the poor were getting oppressed, and, and uh, taxation. All, it was, and we've seen from uh, Elizabeth's personal life, she had her personal challenges. In that culture, raising a family, 
there weren't many opportunities for women. You had to be rich to, to be a woman to have a place in the marketplace. Uh, most women got their significance and their value in raising their children. But if you couldn't have children, you were worthless. You were a nobody. You were nothing. And she was old and infertile. And that would have been an, uh, an, uh, an offense to her. So I just want to make the point that with, with uh, all of the beautiful things about Christmas, this happened in a time in history, and I won't take the time to read it, but I read an article this last week where the, the historian looked at all of what was going on in history and he said, he used the word lousy. This was a lousy place to live uh, for, jo for Zechariah and, and, um, and Elizabeth. Now, how does that factor into you and me? Well, none of us live uh, romanticized lives. And can I just say, as I thought about it this last week, um, God wants to put a song of heart, a heart of uh, a song of joy, um, fill your heart with joy, whatever circumstances you're in. Okay, Zechariah was not living in easy circumstances, and 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 yet he had a a song of joy in his heart, and um, this may be the Christmas where it may be your first Christmas without a loved one. Maybe someone in your life whom you deeply care for passed away, and this, this Christmas, for me, it was like, this is my third Christmas without my mom. And yes, it fades a little bit each year, but part of what happens at Christmas and it's family time is you realize there's family members not there. Just a couple of weeks ago, and we've shared publicly, and, and Chanel and Tom shared about losing their baby boy, six months old. So they're going through Christmas without a loved family member. Uh, that's not a romanticized Christmas. And it reminded me, my very first pastorate, two weeks on the job, um, I visited a couple, a young couple in the church. They kind of dropped out of church. Their name were Fred and Carolyn. And catch this. They walked into their baby's bedroom on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, and found he had stopped breathing. Sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. On Christmas Day, uh, life isn't always romanticized or idealized at Christmas. And yes, uh, I know uh, love ch church family members that are going through a very difficult time in relationships right now, and um, some stress with family that where family has done them wrong. And um, I know some beloved family members who have some debilitating diseases, some degenerating diseases, and others uh, that have physical handicaps and illness. So my, my encouragement to all of us this morning, whatever you're going through, if you're young and healthy and, and life is good, praise God for that. You're still living in the land of death, <laughs> in the shadow of death. I hate to tell you just to be, but it's just a matter of time, isn't it? Unless Jesus comes, that your body will start breaking down and you will pass from this life unless Jesus shows up because we all live under the shadow of death. And Jesus came... <laughs> To give us life in the shadow of death. Well, so again, whatever circumstance, relational, financial, um, political, whatever, uh, when, when life is lousy, Zechariah teaches us that God can fill our hearts with a song of joy. How does he do that? I want to share with us uh, five reasons from his, um, as you look through with me, five reasons from Zechariah's song why, why we can... Walk through this Christmas season with a song of joy in our hearts. Here's the first one. Jesus is our powerful Savior. We've seen from the text. He has raised up a horn, a powerful Savior, for us to forgive his people the knowledge of salvation through what? The forgiveness 
of their sins, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. The reality is, with all of the blessings of Christmas, each of us is still living in that land of the shadow of death. But Jesus has come, and he is the resurrection and the life. So I uh, was reminded this last week about Jesus coming as our Savior. One poet put it this way, in terms of God meeting our most important need. Why did he send Jesus? If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness of sins. So God sent us a savior. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus coming into our world. He came as our powerful savior. And yes, he was born a baby, but he grew up to man. And I, I saw this, uh, uh, this last week and, and wanted to share it because um, tis the season and there's a garland and there's a wreath and there's festivity and there's beautiful, but then there's tis the, the reason and the reason was Jesus coming to die for you. And Jesus came for a crown of thorns. We celebrate with a festive garland all of the blessings of Christmas. Jesus came as a baby and grew up to go to the cross. That was his mission. And he did it out of a heart of love for you. He was willing literally to die for you. And he did for the forgiveness of your sins. And that's at the heart of God's love for you at this Christmas season that, that can bring joy in our hearts is to recognize how deeply Jesus loves you. Baby Jesus was willing to give his life for you. Adult Jesus actually gave his life for you. And um, there isn't a greater love than Jesus' love for you. And that will bring joy into your hearts. And yes, he's a powerful savior because he didn't just die. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. So that if God is for us, who can be against us? So if we, we lose a baby, we're going to see him again. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Um, we can lose a mom. We can lose a loved one. But because of their faith in Christ and Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we're going to see them again. It's not over. He has brought that light and that life and that joy into our lives. And yes, you can have a debilitating, degenerating disease. But every day is just one day closer to the resurrection body. And no... Um, no pain, no Tylenol, no hospitals, no cancer surgeries, no suffering, fullness of life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to its fullness. And he's a powerful savior. He's overcome sickness. He's overcome disease. He's overcome death. And um, we can have joy in our hearts because whatever circumstance. And yes, we might be going through uh, uh, a painful relationship experience, but Jesus is the God of new births. And Jesus is the God of new days, as we see at the end of Zechariah's song. So in all of these ways, uh, Zechariah's song can fill our hearts because Jesus is the source of life. He's a powerful Savior in every circumstance that we're in. Secondly, why, we can have, why can we have a, a song of joy in our hearts this Christmas? Because Jesus is our powerful Savior. Secondly, he's the fullness of God's plan for history. Think about that for a moment. If you meditate on his song, he talks about Abraham, he talks about David, he talks about the prophets, and, and, and he's saying to us, Jesus is the central person, he's the center of, of all of God's plans for human history. 
2,100 years before Christ, the God of the universe reached into Abram's life and said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to enter into a relationship with you. And through you and your offspring, I'm going to bring life to all the peoples of the earth. So that when Jesus showed up and he said, I've come that you might have life and life to its fullness, abundant life, fullness of life, eternal life, life beyond the grave, all of that, that all started with his covenant with Abraham. And yes, he spoke about David. David was a king who lived at a thousand years before Christ where God said, David, I'm going to have a covenant with you. I'm going to enter into a relationship with you and one of your descendants is going to be king over my people forever. So everybody knew that when the Messiah came, he was going to be a descendant of David. It's all just pointing, everything points to Jesus. The prophets, all of the prophets pointed to Jesus. Isaiah speaks about his virgin birth 600 years before Jesus comes to the planet. Um, Zechariah, the prophet, not the father of John the Baptist, he, he uh, declares how Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey hundreds of years before it happened. These are not just fortune cookie kind of prophecies. You know a fortune cookie prophecy, you open your fortune cookie, and he says, something good is going to happen to you tomorrow. <laughs> and you can interpret that. No, these are very specific. Micah prophesied, Micah the prophet, not my grandson, Micah the prophet, he prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. He named the town of the Messiah. These are very specific. And Isaiah spoke in stunning detail about Jesus' death and resurrection. You can read it in Isaiah 53. All of this is saying Jesus came not unannounced. He came as God's central person for human history. And um, he's coming again. He's coming again. There are more prophecies about his second return in the scriptures than there are about his first. We can look back and see all the fulfilled prophecies of his first return. There's even more about his second return. And the scriptures teach us when he comes back again, he's going to do away with all evil, with all suffering. He's going to make a new creation. Read the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation. A new heavens, a new earth, no suffering resurrection bodies for those who belong to him and reigning with Christ for eternity. I mean, it's going to be awesome because Jesus is that central person that the prophecies spoke about and the prophecies are speaking about. And that will give us joy. If you have Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, you have everything. <laughs> you have a future. You have a destiny. If you don't have Jesus, quite frankly, you have nothing. <laughs> you have nothing because he's God's central person for all of human history. So, that's why we encourage everyone, encourage you this morning, put your faith in Jesus. He is that, that uh, person that God has made central to all of human history. Third thing that will give us joy from Zechariah's song, Jesus is the Lord himself. Pointed out when he read it, but, but this, is, uh, this looks at the miracle of the virgin birth, where the Holy Spirit moved on the, the body of a virgin, a young girl, so that the child that was born was fully God, didn't have a human father, hu fully human, had a human mother. What a miracle. It's the only miracle like that in, in all of human history. And so uh, Zechariah says, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord. You're going before the Lord. He's not just another human being. You're going before the Lord to prepare the way for him. I want to take a moment to read to you... Um, Something I ran across a few years ago, and it always stuck with me because it captures Max Lucado. If you've ever written, read any of his works, his books, he has a, a poetic way of capturing the truths of the Bible. Listen to this. He's describing the moment where Jesus is born and this miracle of fully God, fully man, and Jesus himself being the Lord. 
He calls it just a moment. It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment. As moments go, that one appeared no different than any other. It was one of the countless moments that have marked time since eternity became measurable. But in reality, that particular moment was like none other. For through that segment of time, a spectacular thing happened. God became a man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God is a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, and two kidneys, and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. God had come near. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands of that first held him were unmanicured, calloused, and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party, no hoopla. Were it not for the shepherds, there would have been no reception. And were it not for a group of stargazers, there would have been no gifts. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. The universe watched with wonder as the Almighty learned to walk. Children played in the street with him. And had the synagogue leader in Nazareth known who was listening to his sermons? <laughs> Think about that. Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing for sure. He was, while completely divine, completely human. He was the Lord in human flesh. And that brings joy to our Christmas season from the song of Zechariah. Number four, four reasons why we, fourth reason we can have a song of joy in our hearts this Christmas season. Oh, and by the way, that's powerfully significant because he was fully human so that he could represent you and represent me as a human being when he suffered on the cross for our sins, fully human. Yet he was fully God because no human being, even if he could be perfect, could bear the sins of all humanity. The Son of God bore the suffering for every sin, for every person throughout all history when he died on the cross. He had to be fully God and fully man to be your Savior and mine. Fourthly, Jesus qualifies me to serve him. Jesus qualifies me to serve him. One comment, but a minor comment in one sense, but so powerful. Uh, Zechariah says, he rescues us from the hand of our enemies. The worst of our enemies is death. And to enable us, what? To serve him. Do you realize what an honor it is to be a servant of Jesus? He delivers us from the domain of death into the kingdom of Jesus where we serve him. And that's why we celebrate. I was so happy this morning to see 
the celebration of that servant spirit in our church with servant appreciation dinner. It's just a, one thing we do to, to celebrate and cultivate and build the spirit of Jesus in our church because he is the servant of the Lord with a capital S and we're delivered to be his servants. And we, that's part of who we are as a church family. What gifts, what interests has God given you and how can you serve God and serve people with that? Um, it's the highest honor, perhaps being, apart from being a son, a daughter of the king, is to be a servant of the king. And yes, uh, this, li this life is just a training camp, isn't it? It's learning to love and serve him because when Jesus brings a new creation, what will we do? We will reign with him. We will serve him in a whole new creation, and that's mind-boggling. But God has made us his servants. And it, when you start serving and using your gifts, it releases this joy in you because you're wired with your spiritual gifts that when you serve, it produces joy. And all of these are reasons why Zechariah's song, the word of God this morning, can fill our season with a song of joy. One final one. Number five, we can help people find a glorious new day of peace. We can help people find a glorious new day of peace. The end of, there's a new sun rising. And God is leading people out of the shadow of death into this new day of life and peace. Shalom with God and shalom with people. And John the Baptist's ministry was simply to be a pointer. Look to Jesus. He's the source of life. He's the one that will bring a new day, a new spiritual day into your life. And yes, one of the most joyful things that you and I can do this Christmas season, and I hope you started thinking about it, is simply be, to be an arrow to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, one very simple way is just to invite people to a church service. Invite people to Christmas Eve. Do you know people at Christmas time that don't normally go to church? But very often, if you invite them, they're looking for a church service to go to. Family member, a friend, a colleague at work, just invite them. Say, hey, we have a, a Christmas Eve service. It's, it's at 6 o'clock. We're done at 7, so you can go and be with your family. And by the way, you should know there are some Oscar-worthy performances going to happen at that musical. Uh, and I see some chuckles out there because you know why I'm, I'm so confident there's going to be Oscar-worthy performances because my grandkids are in it. <laughs> and so it's going to be joyful for that reason and many other. But just something you can do or just reach out and love somebody in a practical way with the love of Christ during the Christmas season um, and, and, and show the love of Christ in a practical way. Shine that light in, in whatever way God gives you opportunity. But you can be an arrow pointing to Jesus. Just tell your story to someone. Tell someone about what God has done in your life or how you came to, to faith in Christ. Tell them your story and the blessing that Jesus is, is to you. All of these ways and more. Maybe just a, a special gift of a Christian book or a Christian album or something. But reaching out with the love of Christ to share the good news, the wonderful news about Jesus. I wanted to share with you, I, I kept it because, uh, well, it meant a lot to me, but a few years back... Uh, as you already know, um, um, I have a December birthday, and uh, a friend wrote me this little birthday card, and uh, I kept it because it's meaningful to me. I hope it will encourage you to do the same thing, but uh, it was a friend of mine who was actually my banker <laughs> at the time, and he said, um, he wrote this to me, he says, I celebrate Christ's birthday every year because he saved me from eternal death. I celebrate your birthday, Rick, because you told me the life-giving gift of Christ. And had you not told me, then I would probably be lost. I thought, wow, what a blessing that I had a chance to share with, with God about my faith. 
He says, thank you, Rick. Love you, bud. <laughs> Just a simple, but you know what? what? What could be more valuable? What could be more joy-giving than to know that you just had a part in helping somebody else enter into, out of the shadow of death, into the kingdom of Jesus and eternal life, a new day that starts in this life and goes forever. These are all reasons why, from Zechariah's song, our hearts can be filled with a song of joy. And again, whatever you're going through, whatever physical malady, whatever difficulty, whatever your challenge, Jesus is with you with this season, as he was with Zechariah, as he was with, with um, Elizabeth, to bring joy into their lives in spite of all the difficulties and challenges around them. He's the song. He's the joy of our hearts. So we're going to conclude this morning by singing that great Christmas carol. Guess what? Joy to the world. So I'm going to invite you to rise and let's sing this from our hearts and then I'll come back and dismiss us in prayer. We can follow the words from the screen. I am going to sit down and not try and lead you in worship. You can worship from your hearts and, and uh, sing the songs from the screen. Let's sing.
Just as we close in prayer, let me just invite, uh, just out of the privacy of your own heart, I just don't want to assume that um, every one of us, just because we uh, came to church and we're delighted you're here, but the question is, do you have that personal faith in Jesus? Because if you have him, you have everything. If you don't have him, if you haven't made that personal decision to say, yes, Jesus, I understand, I get it. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead. You love me. I want to receive you. He comes and he offers himself as a gift. But we have to receive it. It isn't automatic. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy of the season, that the joy of the season is your son, Jesus. What a delight, what a joy to know that he came into not just the world, but he's come into our world. And Lord, I want to pray for each person here this morning that we would just simply affirm in the privacy of our own hearts where you see that personal faith in Jesus, accepting the gift of life, the gift of love, the gift of eternal life, and the gift of your presence in our lives just by receiving Jesus as our Savior, by putting our trust in him. And Lord, we thank you for this season. We pray that you'd give us opportunity for that joy to overflow from our hearts into the lives of others in practical ways. Thank you for the people that you put in our lives that were arrows, that were pointers to Jesus. And could we be that kind of a person in the lives of others as well? We love you. We thank you for the joy that you fill our season with. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a Jesus-filled, joy-filled week. We'll see you again next week. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. You can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.